Welcome to the initial episode of our podcast named The Most Important Issues in Business Crime, where we will ask leading business crime lawyers at our law firm Linklaters to identify the most important topics that you need to know about in particular jurisdictions. The object is to briefly identify the most important issues and not to catalog every potential one. And I'm Doug Davison uh, from the Washington DC office of Linklaters. Today, we will focus on US and UK business crime developments. And our experts, who I'm very excited to welcome, will tell you what they think are the most important issues you need to know about in the, in the US and UK. I'm so excited to be joined for our initial podcast by three of my partners, Richard Smith and Adam Lurie in the US and Allison Saunders in the UK. Each of them has been practicing law for decades and has represented clients on both sides of the table, meaning each has spent time as a government prosecutor of alleged business crime violations. And of course they are now and have been for some time on the defense side of the table, helping clients navigate the issues, avoiding problems or prosecution, including in particular cross-border matters involving more than just one jurisdiction. You can find their impressive bios on our website. But let's turn now to the substance of the podcast. Richard, you're up first. I know you've been a prosecutor, trial lawyer, and senior official at the US Department of Justice, and you're a high profile defense lawyer. Please tell us what you see as the most important issue in the US business crime environment today. Doug, thank you so much for your kind introduction. Under the Biden administration, the department has signaled a return to the Obama administration's enforcement philosophy. The department has signaled a strong commitment to white collar criminal enforcement in relation to companies and individuals, including new initiatives on cyber fraud, cryptocurrency, and environmental justice. Here are several examples of the new philosophy. First, last fall, the department announced three significant changes to its policies on corporate criminal enforcement. One, to be eligible for cooperation credit, companies must provide the department with all non-privileged information about all individuals involved in or responsible for the misconduct at issue. Two, the department will consider the full range of a company's prior misconduct, not just a subset of similar misconduct, as part of its decision-making process to determine the appropriate resolution. And three, for companies that cooperate with the government, there will be no default presumption against corporate monitors. Second, the department also signaled or called into question whether negotiated corporation resolutions that do not involve a guilty plea, non-prosecution agreements and deferred prosecution agreements are appropriate for recidivist corporations that have a documented history of corporate wrongdoing by multiple sections and divisions across the department. The department also announced the creation of the Corporate Crime Advisory Group within the department that is tasked with reviewing the DOJ's approach to prosecuting criminal conduct by companies, their executives, management, and employees. Third, last summer, the department announced it intended to take an entirely new approach to the FCPA enforcement program by spending more time and resources actively developing its own cases, including through data mining the use of corporate witnesses and partnerships with foreign governments in addition to its historical 
reliance on self-report by companies to drive its cases. Fourth, last year, the Biden administration issued the United States Strategy on Countering Corruption. This strategy seeks to enhance collaboration across governmental agencies and signals that the U.S. government will increase the scope of its anti-corruption laws, regulations, and initiatives in the coming year. Finally, the department announced two new initiatives in 2021, one on cybersecurity, the other on cryptocurrency, that are likely to lead to an increased corporate enforcement activity this year. The DOJ launched its Civil Cyber Fraud Initiative that is designed to combat new and emerging cyber threats to the security of sensitive information and critical systems. It also announced the creation of the National Cryptocurrency Enforcement Team to organize and help spearhead investigations and criminal prosecutions related to cryptocurrency, including cases against cryptocurrency exchanges, infrastructure providers, and other entities that misuse cryptocurrency and related products to commit or facilitate criminal activity. Allison, you've been a partner now for three years here at Linklaters and was formerly the UK's top prosecutor. What do you think are some recent trends or developments people should be aware of? Thanks, Richard. I thought we would have a look at um, three things, really. Um, two le new legislative um, provisions, and what the third is a sort of a number of inquiries that are going on into the SFO, our serious fraud office. So dealing first with the um, legislative provisions, these have really come about because of the government commitment to business crime and also tough on revealing whether um, there have been proceeds of crime that are within the UK. There's been quite a lot of debate about whether or not the UK is a soft haven or a good haven, whatever you want to say, for um, for criminals to um, to hide their assets in. So the Economic Crime Transparency and Enforcement Act came into um, being this year. It was passed through the House of Parliament in 2022. And there are two bits that I particularly want to pull out of that. One is in relation to unexplained wealth orders. So these are orders that were previously in force and were tools that um, agencies such as the National Crime Agency, Revenue Customs, um, the Director of Public Prosecutions or the Serious Fraud Office could use to seize funds and assets which were held by either politically exposed persons, PEPs, or those that they, it suspected of being involved in serious crime or being connected with someone involved in serious crime. So under the Act, the grounds for obtaining an unexplained wealth order have been extended. So now all that has to happen is that a court should be satisfied that there are reasonable grounds for suspecting that the property in question has been obtained through unlawful conduct. This is a change because previously the only ground was that the person's known lawfully obtained income would be insufficient for them to hold such property. So it's extended those grounds quite significantly. The Act also extends the period through which um, the investigators can actually sort of um, hold the property while they conduct their investigations. And it also um, means that the government has to publish annual reports listing the number of unexplained wealth orders obtained um, from the court, as well as the number of applications that were made. Again, really putting the focus on investigators to make the most of these um, orders and to use them more. So it will be interesting to see how that develops. 
The second um, part of that act, which I want to have a look at, is the beneficial ownership register. Again, this is something that the UK government has long committed to, um, and this is um, finally put into um, being through this act. So what does the register do? Well, it catches anyone who holds property in England and Wales and has held that property since the 1st of January 1999. So what it means is that you've got to register that property so that it's clear who the owner of that property is, even if you are overseas. Um, it's all about transparency and making sure that everybody is clear about the ownership of the property. If you fail to register, um, then that can mean you will um, be committing a criminal offence and there will be criminal sanctions, um, including fines and indeed prison sentences for up to five years for the most serious breaches. And then there will also be restrictions on making dispositions of the property, which may result in full legal title not passing should the property in question be transferred in breach. So really important new rules which will impact not just on current owners of the property, but also any due diligence necessary when buying, selling or charging the property where there's an overseas entity involved. As yet, I should make it clear, there is no implementation date. So the legislation is there, but the, le the implementation date has not yet um, come about. So we're waiting for that, but we're told that it will happen very shortly. So keep uh, an eye out for that, particularly if you're an overseas owner of property in the UK, um, when you need to make sure that you have it all registered. So finally, let's have a look about the work of the Serious Fraud Office. Um, so that's the organisation in the UK that deals with the most serious fraud, uh, supposedly does what it says on the tin, um, but it's coming for a lot of criticism recently and a lot of commentators questioning its very being. So its director, Lisa Rosowski, has appeared twice before the House of Commons committees um, to face questions about its work and conduct. Um, this follows two real two cases, both of which failed, one of which was a bribery case um, in relation to Serco, which is a government contractor. Um, and it was a case where two individuals were prosecuted and the case against them collapsed after there was serious non-disclosure by the Serious Fraud Office. And then there was a number of cases linked to the Unioil case where um, convictions were overturned, again, linked to serious non-disclosures. So after that, the Attorney General for England and Wales has um, announced a review into the Serious Fraud Office and into the conduct of the Serious Fraud Office in relation to those uni oil, ca uni oil cases, um, looking at why it went wrong um, and what happened and making recommendations for the future. And likewise, there has also been a, um, another inquiry announced more generally into their disclosure failings and what needs to happen. So important um, dis investigations going on, um, inquiries rather going on into the Serious Fraud Office. Um, at the same time as we are seeing a reduction in the number of cases that they're investigating and opening, there have been very few. Um, so it will be interesting to see what happens in the next few months. Those investigation inquiries rather are due to report very shortly. So we will be watching to see what happens and what recommendations there are to change the SFO. And indeed, if it changes its appetite, 
appetite for new and exciting investigations in the future. So that's what I wanted to cover from the UK angle, um, but there are lots of other things going on. But um, back to the US and Adam. So you too have been like Richard and I and Doug, a prosecutor, trial lawyer, senior DOJ official. Um, so what do you want to add to those important things that are happening in the US? Thank you, Alison, and thanks, Doug and Richard. Here's what I'd say, given what you both have said and my own experience. If your company or your employees have done something wrong, I don't think the odds have ever been higher that you or your employees will get caught. And I say that because what we've heard today, and I think the most important issue for companies and employees right now is your risk of prosecution and investigation has never been higher. And I look at the US and what Richard shared and elections matter. And the, the leaders of the Justice Department and the SEC who are sitting in the relevant chairs matter. More money is being devoted to investigations right now in the US than ever before. More prosecutors are focused on white collar prosecution than before. And you have the entire US government right now, thanks to a directive by our president, focused on fighting corruption. As Richard said, focused on fighting cybersecurity, focused on cryptocurrency related fraud. You have not only the Justice Department, but you have the US SEC, the US State Department, the US Treasury Department all working together. And they're not only working internally in the US, but they're working with our, our friends and partners in the UK and around the world. And I, we're already seeing this today as we speak, a major prosecution coming out of the Southern District of New York in the Archegos case. Um, just given our own work in the market, we're aware of some other very significant white collar investigations, both here in the US and abroad. And I think, Doug, my message would be stay tuned. I think things are just getting started. The administration has only been in place for one year, and it takes a long time for investigations to uh, get going for evidence to be found and for prosecutions to be brought. But we're just getting right now to the crest of the wave. And I think if I had to make a prediction, Doug, I'd say we're gonna see a lot more prosecutions like we saw announced today, uh, both here in the US and the US working abroad. So anyway, my message is uh, if, you've, if your company is concerned about getting caught or doing something wrong, or you have an employee, you have to factor in right now more than ever the risk that somehow, some way, whether through a whistleblower civil lawsuit, another related investigation, that, uh, that that issue will be uncovered one way or the other. Great, Adam, that was really interesting. Um, and I do tend to agree with you. Um, well, let me close by just thanking Richard Allison and Adam very much for participating today. Um, selfishly, I really enjoyed hearing from you, but I do hope that our listeners uh, did as well. And uh, I hope that you will join us for our next episode where we will ask other business crime experts to identify the most important issues that you need to know about. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.